you and your family. Can you say that with me? You and your family. Let's lift our hands together. Let's ask the Lord to speak to our hearts and touch us through his word. Father, right now we, we have felt your touch through this entire service. The anointing is here, the blessing of God, Lord, which is always uh, what our heart is crying out for. And the word of God is so real to us. We pray right now that you'll anoint. Give us, Lord, the words that will make the difference in lives. And we give you the praise for it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Praise God. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. Now, the Lord has been dealing with me about reminding ourselves of the basics of the gospel, that there's so much uh, weirdness in our world today. Uh, And I want to begin by just being very basic and say that the church is not about buildings. It's not about who has the biggest building. It's not about who has the nicest carpet or the most gorgeous platform or about supporting causes. It's not about who has the most money so that they can do all kinds of things. And it's not about denomination. The church is not about an organization, although I was extremely excited when uh, I got uh, uh, approached twice in the last week from the United Pentecostal Church uh, with whom I'm uh, licensed. And I've been with the United Pentecostal Church since... Uh, 1976 and uh, twice they approached me they had gotten word that uh, an academic uh, Christian publisher was going to publish this work and they approached me and they they said to me uh, brother French here here are some advantages if you were to publish with the United Pentecostal Church and uh, they had already written me and I had sent word back that uh, I had felt led of the Lord that that was not the direction I should go now, I had no, no idea that the Lord had a much broader uh, plan in mind. And how many know that God knows exactly what he's doing? God knows what he's doing, and we need to uh, trust him and, and love him. And, uh, and I love the United Pentecostal Church. I've been a part of it for all these years now. You add, you add it up. And uh, I am thrilled that uh, we, have, we have some of the greatest singers, the greatest preachers, some of the greatest uh, programs in the United Pentecostal Church in the world. But I am here to tell you today that the church is not about denominations. It is not about organization and who has the best organization. No, a thousand times no. Church is about you. That's what the church is about. The church is about you and your family. It's about your children. The church is about the people you love. That's what the church is about. Someone said one time, I don't know where in the world I'm going to go. I'll tell you where to go. Turn to the church of the living God. It is about you. It's not about political intrigue. And we're living in a day when politics is very strangely crossing over the moral line and trying to tell the church what is moral and what is not moral. But I tell you today, the church is not about political intrigue. It's not about position. It is not about fame. It is not about personal advancement. The church is not about who's this and who's got what position. I tell you today, I would gladly serve my brethren any time that I'm called upon to serve, but that would not make me somebody special just because I have some position. God didn't call me to fill a position. He called me to preach the gospel because the gospel is what this world must have. 
So I want you to know today that the Bible is full of proof that the church is all about you. That's what the church is about. That's what we're here for. Now, let me go back. First of all, this is one of the most significant teachings of the Bible. And I, knew, I know I, I'm going to go quickly, uh, I, I, very much on my heart. I've been thinking about this message for many, many days. It's been something that I've contemplated. Should I preach it on a Sunday night? Should I preach it on a Sunday morning? And, and I've just felt the directing of the Spirit. But uh, first of all, this subject is so massive that to, to read a scripture from 1 Peter and say, yeah, that's what I'm preaching, it's just almost uh, laughable. Yet um, uh, <clears throat> the first thing we have to ask ourselves, if we're going to kind of just say it real quick and summarize it, is how... In the world, does religion get so off kilter? Is kilter a word? Seems like kilter is a word. Have you ever heard the word kilter? All right, we'll look it up. I, it seems like somewhere down the road I heard that. Or we might say get off base or get off, get, kind of gets crooked. It's not what it ought to be. In fact, I would say that we're living in a day that is very much like what Scripture says, and that is religion is in a terrible mess. We are seeing religion in all kinds of odd positions. But the central message of the gospel is not about religion. The gospel is about the love of God. That is what the gospel is about. It is, uh, listen, even if you spit in my face, I must love you. Jesus even taught, and, I, and okay, I, I, many things I'd love to say, but let me, does anybody know that I'm preaching the truth here this morning? All right, so it's about the love of God. It's about God's concern. It's about God's care for you. It's not about theology. It's not about PhDs. It's not about libraries or education. It's all about you. It's all about your children. It's about your grandchildren. It is about you. Now, let's consider this truth through this one verse that I've read this morning because I felt an unction. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost here right now. I feel like God is wanting to do in this hour. How many believe that God can do today exactly what he wants to do? God can do in this hour whatever he chooses to do. Don't you tell me the church's greatest days are in the past. They are right now. We are living in the greatest days of the church if we will allow it to be. So we come to this one uh, moment, and he says, casting all your care. Now, Peter has written uh, his entire letter, and he says, right at the end, casting all your care. Can you say that with me? Casting all your care. So he's written the entire letter. He's determined not to close the book, which what would we would later call First Peter until he gets this in. Now, to cast here, as, as Peter is using it, is from a, a Greek word, which I know, and it's intriguing, but I don't want to, I don't need to say it. A Greek word, but the Greek word means this. Now, you listen to me. To throw something, although, and I like that because, see, in, in Greek, the word balo means to, when it says cast, that is the, uh, you could use it several ways, but it's, the, it's a Greek word for like taking something and slinging it like a baseball. That's why throw, uh, in fact, balo is where we get the word throw. 
So you take something and you cast it, or you, like a net even, that's another example. I'm just trying to show you that what, what Peter is saying is that you, to throw something, it literally means to throw something up on something else. Not just to throw it. I mean, that. <laughs> sometimes you ever want to just throw something? No? Okay. Well, sometimes I do. I just want to throw something, you know. But to cast it on the Lord, to throw something on something else, and of course that something else is God. Now, literally then, you put your cares, your life, your needs, your children, your family, everything, right on God himself. You cast all of your cares on him. You, you take it and you just, by faith, you say, here it all is. My future, my college, my, my hopes, my dreams, my kids, everything they're doing. You're wondering what Junior's going to do and you're thinking about what's happening in his mind. Will he be influenced by this moral dilemma the culture's in? And you say, wait a minute, I'm going to cast every bit of this right on the shoulders of God because he cares. Praise God. So God's concern which is, of course, another, he, his caring, he cares, that's, of course, a verb, is another Greek word that means to have concern for. The thing that he concerns himself about, of course, is the theme of this message. The thing that he concerns himself about. What is he concerned about? Is it the Supreme Court decision? Is it politics? Is it money? Is it who's going to be elected? Is it... Uh, where the streets are going to be and, and who's going to be the next mayor? No, that's, that's not at all what Scripture says that he concerns himself with. He concerns himself with you. You can cast all your care on him because he cares for you. That is, Melai, Greek, Malai, he cares for or concerns himself with you. That's why this message has been pressing on me. Now, I know the, the devil tells you that your family just can't solve those problems, that you'll never get them to understand what holiness is, and, and uh, you'll never convince them of, of what you think you have to convince them of. But God says otherwise. You see that last word here in verse 7? It's the word you. That word you tells me that God is all about taking care of those that he loves. Praise God. Could we just lift our hands and thank him for just a moment? Could we say, Father, I'm going to trust you because you are the one that is looking down upon my life and my children and my family. Praise God. Praise God. It's not about the offerings. It's not about who's who and who's in the who's who. No, it's about you. He concerns himself with you. Not the stocks, not the troubles of nations or economies. He isn't wondering uh, what the job numbers were last month. That's not what he's concerning himself with. So... I'm serving notice here 
this morning on the enemy of our families, on the enemy of the soul. God's love is more powerful than the bondage of money and materialism. It's more captivating. The love of God and his concern for us is more uh, powerful. It can captivate uh, the, the very working of love in our lives in a day when someone says, well, you better give up, Brother French, because this is Hollywood's day. What Hollywood says goes. If they say it's moral, it's moral. Whatever they want, they're going to have. That's what they're saying. And I've often said, no, friend, uh, you seem to forget that every generation has had its Hollywood. Every generation thought that they were smarter than God. But I am telling you today that God is concerned about you, not who is famous and who's on the screen and who's the most beautiful of them all. He isn't worried about who's got a mirror and who's saying who's the best. No, there's something more penetrating than the drugs that are binding our young people, that are grabbing the souls of our children. And I'm telling you that God is able to change it because he cares for us. The gospel, when preached, will break every chain. Praise God. If you believe, your world will be radically altered. This church is committed to a radically altered faith whatever it takes, that we will surrender ourselves to the working of the Spirit. That is our prayer, and that is what we stand for. I will become a different person because the Spirit is going to lead me. Now, uh, you have to be very careful. Can you say amen? So don't believe what the devil says about you. You cannot listen to the voice of the enemy. And I'm, I'm gonna, about to... <clears throat> Uh, forgive me, my voice is weak here, but I'm uh, going to try to uh, not lose it here. The gospel is true, no matter what the devil says. So I, I'm standing today in this pulpit, and I'm telling you that the gospel is true. You can make fun of the preacher. You can say, well, he gets all excited. He dances around, and you ever see him do that little dance? You can do that. You can, you can fluff it off as though some football star is a great hero, but the preachers are nothing. It will change absolutely nothing. I am telling you today that the gospel is true and the devil is a liar. And that if you will hear what God says, do not believe what the devil says about your children and about your family. Did you know that a Kansas City editor once told a young aspiring cartoonist, and I quote, young man, you don't have any talent. Do you know who he was kicking out of his office that day? It was a young fellow named Walt. Walt Disney. So I suggest today that you quit listening to what some devil is telling you and start listening to the God that cares about you. Praise God. Hallelujah. So they told blind Bartimaeus, hey, don't you trouble the master. What do you think? He can't be bothered. That was a lie. That was incorrect. That was weak. We have to stop listening to what the world is trying to tell us. It was, it was not true that God could not be bothered. There was nothing more important to Jesus than those blinded eyes that day. Praise God. So it wasn't true. You shouldn't have listened to it. And, and thankfully, he, he didn't listen to them. 
So the greatest miracle of the scripture was in the making as blind Bartimaeus stood there. The woman with the issue of blood thought herself so unworthy that she didn't even seek the audience of Jesus. She just reached out and the Bible emphasizes that she, she touched the, the mere hem of his robe. Just sort of snuck in there like and uh, that there's some interesting things to say about that but but what I want to say about it here this morning and friend is that that was more than enough to have touched just the him because see the devil's a liar God is true he wants to do for you so much that even if you just, even if you don't come up and say, hello, sir, here's my credentials, and, and you just get up there and, and reach out, as it were, from wherever she came. No one even saw it happen because you are the center of the gospel. So that means that your family is as important to him as Congress or the Supreme Court is to the nation. Your children and your grandchildren and your needs, I don't mean your, your whimsicalness. I'm not saying if you have any sinful desire that that means something to God. I'm telling you that literally your children and the real needs, that God knows what they are. Of course, the greatest need a man has is that his soul be saved and that he see his maker and know God and the maker of heaven and earth isn't about to start biting his nails about the job numbers. God isn't worried about the job numbers. God is concerned about your children. He's concerned about your son and your daughter. That's what he's concerned about. As much as any decision that the Supreme Court's going to make. Oh, yes. But they'll hang out at the Supreme Court all night for the decision. But I'm more concerned about the decision in the hearts of your family. It's not about political agendas of men. But God is very, very concerned and involved with you and with your children, your marriage, and your life. Don't you see? And I'm coming to a close. You can opt for the guaranteed failed plan the guaranteed failure plan of the world. Just flip the switch, turn it on, watch it all day long, duh. Guaranteed failure plan. In the end, no result. I don't care if you become a multimillionaire. Or you can trust the God who never fails. Can you feel his presence here this morning? You can trust the God that never fails. Now, uh, I'm, 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 I'm going to close. I know you're, some of you are thinking, okay, I know Brother French. He, he says that, and then, you know. 
but I'm, I am closing. But I, I want to say this before. I'm not just going to run off the platform. All right. You, you may never have heard this story, but it's an actual story. You can look it up. It's, it's easy to find. It's not difficult to find. Her, her name was Helen. Her last name was Miller. It's a true story. It, it's an actual event. But I wanted to uh, th- throw it into the illustration here. She was a woman. I, I forget now where she lived, but it, it's in the story. I, it wasn't important to my purpose here <laughs> this morning, so I've already forgotten where she lives. But it tells, tells the very river, it tells all about it. She was one of these people that was petrified of, of that. I, I use the word petrified to mean scared or uh, just literally, petrified is almost more than scared when I use the word. It, it was like scare the, uh, we used to say heebie-jeebies, but I'm not sure if that's allowed in Georgia. Um, I'm trying to think of something that's allowed in the state of Georgia. But uh, we'll have to stick with heebie-jeebies, I think. But uh, it just literally scared her to death. She couldn't stand to be around it. She couldn't stand to, uh, it certainly would never get in water, and she couldn't swim. And uh, one morning, and I'm just, uh, it's almost done. I want to hear this actual event. Uh, She was speaking to her husband at the front door. And suddenly she said, where is, uh, and she called the daughter's name, three-year-old. I think it was Mary Jane. I believe that was it. And they both just began what anybody would do. Oh, my goodness, the three-year-old's gone. Where's the three-year-old? And she slipped, uh, or she, she immediately thought, because they lived right near a, a river, that she better run that way. And she, she ran here and there trying to check. And uh, the, the fact of the matter was little Marianne had slipped out and into the freezing river. But she hadn't figured it out yet. She couldn't decide what had, what had happened. So uh, <coughs> the river was swollen. It was that time of year. And it was just coming, moving very quickly. And and uh, you only had seconds, and she ran to the river. And there was other people with her, but I, I don't have time to develop all that. And she saw in the river an orange spot in the middle of the stream. An orange spot. That's the way she described it. I'm just, I'm just telling you her, the way she told it. And she said to her companion, she said to herself, that is my baby just floating out there in the water, three years old, an orange spot, so she must have had orange on it. She had such a phobia of water that she didn't run to the river. She was so scared. She was petrified. She only had moments. If, if the child was alive, it certainly wouldn't be in, in a few moments. She ran to the street. She ran, she screamed, she searched, she needed somebody else to come and save that baby because she was so petrified of, of water. She ran to the street, the street was completely empty and, and uh, she ran to the house and, and uh, she's trying to get someone old enough, someone to find, to find her husband, get him back around. I think he, she's in the stream and, and she couldn't find him because he had run up the r- street and thought the child went that direction and 
And uh, so instead, she said to herself, that is my child. And she ran, and I'm going to describe it pretty much in the terms that she did. She ran from the street back to the river as fast as she could run. As she was running, she just thought, I'm going to do this. She ran through a briar patch. She broke it open. She pushed her way to the bank, and she jumped into that freezing water. She couldn't swim. She had never been in water. She was petrified of it. And she started doing everything she could. She was paddling. She was going. And she got closer and closer and closer through the briars and into the depth and praying all the time. I'm going to save my baby. What I remember was, first time I saw this story, was her description of bringing the baby to the shore and lying it there and doing everything she knew she didn't know how to do anything but she was just trying to see and the husband had come around and 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 had gotten some help and they were running toward the baby and and this is what i remember she said i'll never forget looking down at my three-year-old and seeing its chest moving and then the breathing and realizing that I had saved my own baby. In a circumstance that was impossible for me to do. And of course, we know that what made it possible was she loved her baby. Love broke through I'm not saying it taught her to swim. I'm not trying to explain it in every way. I don't know how to do it. I guess you can learn to swim really fast. She jumped in. She saved her baby because she loved that baby. Love overcomes everything, my friend. Love is here today. God's power reaching out. Ma'am, God's love is reaching for your family. It overcomes it all. So it's time to cast your cares on him to step to an altar and say, I don't know how it's going to turn out, but I want to reach out to the God that cares about me, and I want to give myself to Him. And I believe when you do, that God is going to change your family.